May we have your attention, please? Slips, strips and falls are among the most common causes of accidents on stations, and some of those accidents result in serious injuries or fatalities. Do you have an action plan in place should someone be taken ill or suffer a serious injury on your station? It's no surprise that many slips, strips and falls happen around station steps and stairs. And those stairs will be a busy route between platforms and to the station concourse and the outside world. So what do you do when a passenger ends up seriously injured at the bottom of a staircase? There's an exit route for tens or even hundreds of passengers. In this episode of the RSSB podcast, I'm joined by Tom Moran, Managing Director of the Thameslink and Great Northern Railways. Thameslink and Great Northern are each part of Govia Thameslink Railway, which will shorten to GTR. My other guest is Sarah Sherrard. Sarah is now an advocate and campaigner for passenger safety and care, and for accessible travel on the railway. Tom, welcome to the RSSB podcast. Could I ask you to introduce yourself and tell us how you came to be working in the rail industry? Good morning, Ant. Thank you very much for having me on. My name is Tom Moran. I'm the Managing Director of Thameslink and Great Northern Railway, but I'm not a lifer in terms of the railway. I was lucky enough to take this job up shortly over a year ago, and prior to that I spent nearly seven years in various leadership roles at the post office. For me there were some very obvious parallels between our two organisations. Um, both national organisations, both have a really strong place in national life and, and a chance to lead some really big teams and, and make things better. Before that, I did a few things, including helping to uh, put on the London 2012 Olympics. In terms of you know what gets me up in the morning and, and you know, what I see as my role and my priorities as managing director, obviously, I need to make sure we give our customers the best service possible. I need to make sure we have a really reliable railway. And of course, I need to balance the books. But for me, by far the most important thing I need to make sure we do uh, is make sure the safety um, is right at the heart of Thameslink and Great Northern. So that means making sure all our customers and all my colleagues get home safe at the end of every day. Thank you, Tom. And now, Sarah, please introduce yourself and tell us about your mother's story. But before you do that, tell us something about your mother. So my name is Sarah Sherrod and um, I am the eldest daughter of Priscilla Trop. Mum was inspirational. She loved and was devoted to her husband, my dad, and us three kids. She had three of us, seven grandchildren, and she gave of herself unconditionally. In November of 2018, she died after a fall on a staircase at Merhill Broadway Station. This was part of a twice-weekly journey for her and my father as they went to Guy's Hospital where she was receiving chemotherapy for leukaemia. Despite her youthful mind, she'd been weakened by the illness. And whilst she would have used the lift if there had been one, she was used to taking the stairs. However, on this occasion, she slipped on the stairs and fell down 12 steps to the bottom. Two passengers behind on the stairs stopped to help. One called for an ambulance and one of the two station staff members also came to the scene. And seeing a cut above mum's eye, he left uh, to find a first aid kit and came back to dress the wound. But beyond that, neither staff member gave any further help towards mum 
or tried to direct arriving passengers around or away from her. The station staff member that came to help took the first aid kit away and left members of the public to deal with mum at the bottom of the stairs and he didn't reappear at all until after the ambulance arrived. It was rush hour. Trains kept arriving every 10 minutes and among the hundreds of people disembarking at the station was Ray, the second off-duty policeman. He immediately encountered congestion on the stairs and when he got to the bottom, he stopped to help manage the crowd. Requests to station staff from both James and Ray to call for assistance was met with complete inaction to the point that Ray called through to his own police unit for backup. However, by the time they arrived, the incident was all but over. The ambulance crew arrived half an hour after mum had fallen and treated her for a further 30 minutes before transferring her into the ambulance. Although not immediately apparent, mum had suffered internal injuries and on the way to the hospital, she suffered a cardiac arrest and couldn't be revived. Sarah, thank you for telling us the story of your mother's tragic and untimely death. I know it took some time for you to be able to piece together the details of your mother's accident, and these seem to highlight a number of failings in process, staff awareness and customer care. Could you tell us a bit more about what you know now? Well, it was a surprise to us at the time, but nobody contacted us from GTR. We, we expected somebody would contact us, but nobody after the accident ever did. And very little information was actually available because it wasn't recorded by station staff. And over time, the information that we have found, much of it was inaccurate. Despite a request from BTP, who were contacted by the coroner after the incident, they were asked to collect two hours of CCTV footage, but GTR only downloaded their standard requirement of 25 minutes, of which only 12 minutes of that 25 minutes was actually relevant to the incident. And by the time we had found out about all of this, the rest had all been erased. And um, we went to the inquest and it wasn't available. GTR then closed out the case only three weeks after the incident and so finding out any information over that period of time was very difficult. Your mother's inquest opened in early January 19 and at that time the coroner asked for a report from the ORR and for BTP to make further investigations and then adjourned to await those reports. Can you tell me what you did before the inquest reopened? Well, after the inquest opened, we met the BTP officer and the coroner. We realised very little information was available and we went to social media to find James and Jenny, the nurse and the first policeman on the scene. And we learned through them just how much mum suffered. Obviously, it was the first time I'd spoken to Jenny, which was very emotional. And I found out that she especially had suffered and was deeply affected by the accident and the indignity of hundreds of commuters stepping and jumping over mum and them whilst mum lay dying on the ground. In the ORR incident report of the accident, it mentioned that this was the first accident at Mill Hill Broadway station since 2017, which was very frustrating to us because we knew this to be wholly wrong. 
Mum herself had fallen on the same staircase only a few months previously. On that occasion, station staff came to help, asked if they should call an ambulance, but her injuries weren't as severe and my father took her straight to the GP. But that incident obviously had never been recorded by station staff. The ORR also noted that mum could have used a free taxi service provided by GTR to get to the nearest station with step-free access. When we asked about this, staff at Mill Hill were completely unaware of it. The information is in small print on a poster next to a ticket machine at the station, but many, like mum, of those who would qualify for this free taxi service have freedom passes and need never go anywhere near the ticket machine. GTR had produced its own version of the network rail leaflet, making rail accessible, helping older and disabled passengers, but it wasn't available at either Mill Hill or London Bridge. And both of those are the stations that mum travelled between. And the ORR asked that this be addressed. It was as these pieces of information came to light that we began to really appreciate just how poorly things were managed at the station which only added to our existing pain an immense sense of loss, being haunted by the knowledge of mum stripped of her dignity in that final hour of her life has never gone away, and I don't suppose it ever will. In March, an article appeared in the press. Our MP had spoken in Parliament highlighting mum's case, advocating for change and hoping to assist the Mill Hill accessibility for all bid that had been submitted to the DFT. The paper contacted GTR for comment and GTR expressed their condolences. As we'd had no other contact with GTR, this seemed a meaningless gesture for PR purposes only, and it really added salt to our wounds. So the tragedy of your mother's accident was added to by the deep distress you and your family felt as this series of failings came to light. What were you feeling as your mother's inquest reopened? We went to court with a, a mixture of huge anxiety and building emotion. It was a very hard day. Um, it's important to understand the relevance of an inquest is not to find blame, but to prevent further death. However, to say the experience was an exasperating one is to say the very least. GTR, Network Rail and ORR were requested to be present but um, it was very clear that not a single representative from any of the bodies that were there attended with a view to understanding what went wrong or how to make systems safer for the future. By the end of the inquest, GTR had failed to satisfy the coroner that future deaths were preventable. The coroner recorded Mum's death as accidental and gave a direction that GTR had 28 days within which to provide the court evidence of, and this is the words exactly from the coroner, so they're not my words, a flowchart or plan demonstrating that there is a plan where a person is taken ill on the station or in any areas that are involved in moving around the station that sets out a sensible series of steps that need to be taken by staff to mitigate any potential injury to the person who may themselves have been injured or to anyone else using the station. We left court very frustrated, really hurt by the lack of understanding and continued lack of empathy shown by the GTR representatives, and really incensed, really incensed by the lack of action or acknowledgement by any of the witnesses to enforce change and ensure safety. 
28 days later, GTR had still failed in their obligation to respond to the court. The coroner reminded them of the ruling and the additional stress it was causing to us as a family, and he granted further two weeks to comply. By the 27th of June, over two months from the inquest, GTR had failed to satisfy the ruling of the court, and the coroner issued a Regulation 28 to GTR, the Office of Rail and Road, and the Department for Transport. A Regulation 28 is the maximum power a coroner has and applies where a coroner is under a duty to make a report to prevent other deaths. When the coroner remains concerned that despite evidence given by witnesses, similar accidents could reoccur. At this point, the coroner has issued a Regulation 28 report to GTR, copied to ORR and the Department for Transport. Sarah, could you tell us how you found out about GTR's plans to respond to the report? In August of 2019, the coroner forwarded to us GTR's response to the Regulation 28. And honestly, we were, we were overwhelmed when we saw the new and thorough measures being implemented. It described plans which were in place for rolling out across the network, the Caring for Our Customers Staff Aid Memoir, otherwise known as PAPI, and we were delighted to see that by their own deadline of the 31st of August, GTR was to have implemented new incident response plans, which would include PAPI to all GTR stations and completed training of PAPI at stations across the country. And that all the stations would have received new safety and emergency equipment, including privacy screens. The coroner even sent to us a copy of the new incident response plan for Mill Health that had been issued on the 31st of July and a copy of the delivery schedule for the new emergency equipment. I think it's safe to say that as a family, we were extremely emotional and very proud of what we all felt was mum's achievement. So, Sarah, you've been buoyed up by the fact that your mother's tragic death has led to something good happening, that you decided to go to Mill Hill to see it in action. In early September, I went to the station to see how Pappy was working. So imagine my utter disillusionment when I found the staff there had never heard of Pappy, let alone had any training on it. They even showed me their local incident response plan dated the 7th of January and was surprised to see that I had a more recent one dated 31st of July. And they didn't even know what privacy screens were. All in all, they had absolutely no idea what I was talking about. Um, so incredibly angry and incredulous was I that I went home and I sat down and I wrote a letter to GTR copying in the coroner, our MP and all other industry bodies, including the ORR, RSFB and DFT, imploring them all to finally do something about this situation. And with it, this second and more positive phase of our journey began. <laughs> Tom, as we've already mentioned, you took on the role of Managing Director for Thameslink and Great Northern Railways long after the accident happened and just after the Regulation 28 report was issued. Can you tell us how you became aware of Sarah's situation? I can, and it was in rather bizarre circumstances because, as you say, uh, I'd been in the job probably only a, a few weeks. This was uh, in June 
of 2019 and a letter literally came across my desk addressed to someone else, someone who wasn't with the business in that job anymore. I looked at it and it, it was Sarah's letter. And I think it's it's no underestimation to say I was absolutely appalled at, at what I read. And the first thing I did was, I would have thought the kind of obvious thing, which is get in touch with Sarah and ask to meet her and, and her husband. And I remember that, that that meeting, which, as Sarah's mentioned, was the first time anyone from GTR had had the, the common decency to get in touch uh, and, and engage with her. It was actually quite a long meeting. I, I remember they even locked up the offices and we had to move, move to another one to uh, finish our, our conversation. It was really important because until that point, there was clearly huge failings, not just in how the accident was handled, but also, and I think equally importantly, how we had treated or rather not treated Sarah and her family. Because as I said, that lack of common decency, of empathy, and of, of trying to do the right thing was for me very obviously lacking. And I suppose that's where hopefully me and my team's slightly different response has, has come in and hopefully we've been able to turn things around. What was also clear to me when I looked at the PAPI process, and PAPI stands for Person Assistance Privacy and Information, which GTR had produced in response to the Regulation 28, it was actually really good. And the issue was not that GTR had come up with something that wasn't fit for purpose. It was that it hadn't been implemented properly and fully. So I saw my task and the task of particularly our safety team and our station teams, as well as hopefully beginning to build some confidence and, and trust with Sarah, was also to make sure that we did a really thorough job of implementing PAPI. And I'll, I'll go through a few of those things in a second. We have given a copy of the PAPI aid memoir to RSSB to put on their website. It's a pretty simple document, actually. It's deliberately to just make sure that staff know what they need to do. They can follow simple procedures. These lessons are very hard learned and they obviously came out of a, a tragic accident. So I would always encourage collaboration and, and, and the sharing of best practice on something like this. And I'd be delighted if other operators would take this and adopt it themselves. That would be, um, I think, a, you know, a really fitting next step. In terms of what PAPI is, what I'd like to do is just take you through what we've done to try and make sure that this horrendous accident couldn't happen again. So what I did is give Thameslink and Great Northern Safety Team the role of developing solutions to all the issues that were raised, not just by the original report, but also by Sarah's subsequent feedback. So we've got, luckily, a, a very long list here, and I'll, I'll take you through, I think, some of the most important ones. So we've introduced and retrained all our staff on how they report direct entry accidents. We've launched an app so that they can do that much more simply and quickly. We've made sure that there is a dedicated and expert member of our safety team involved in the initial review. because so it was clear from looking at the various accident investigation reports that there were failings there. Most importantly, we've rolled out PAPI as an initiative to all 68 Thameslink stations and all 54 Great Northern stations. We've also done the same across our southern route, which is all GTR stations basically south of the river. Uh, and we've been in active discussions with other train operators to encourage them to do the same. What that means is that we've trained just under a thousand station staff so far. We've purchased privacy screens, carry sheets, and wheelchairs at, at key location stations as well. We've updated all our local incident response plans. We've uh, introduced safety tours for all our senior leaders. In fact, 
the next one I'm going on is Friday. And I look to do those every single month to try and make sure that we're having the right conversations with all of our teams and that it's really front of mind. And throughout all of this, what we're trying to do is something that's part of what we call caring for customers and zero harm approach, which is trying to make sure that we absolutely minimize any type of harm that could come to one of our passengers or colleagues anywhere on our railway. So from a very, very low point and something that I found appalling, I like to think that we have gone a long way in the right direction. There's still a huge amount more that we can do working with Sarah and others, but it's something that I can now look on as something that I think we can have reason to be proud of and reason certainly to be optimistic about what will be happening in the future. Thank you, Tom, for that. It's good to see that you've recognised where things haven't previously been done as well as they might and responded so quickly. You are obviously very serious about addressing that situation. I couldn't be more serious. It's, it's an absolute priority for me personally and for Thameslink and Great Northern. We're very serious about making sure that we have the safest and best journey for all. We're also working on a plan with Sarah to come to some of our stations, potentially to come to some of our company inductions and team meetings to provide her story and give a very human example of the importance of getting things right and the difference that our colleagues' actions can make to our customers in terms of keeping them safe. And Sarah, I believe you continue to work with and around the rail industry to advocate for change so that we can all deliver a better, safer railway. Yes, indeed. I've been working very closely with Tom and I'm extremely grateful for his support in all of this. I'm delighted with the changes that have been implemented by GTR so far. But as both GTR and RSFB have identified, there is so much more that can and should be done. And I am sure that there are many factors in this story that when given thought will highlight areas for improvement in many other train operating companies. So far, I've presented this tragic story to other groups within the industry and PTSRG are planning to carry out a risk analysis. And as well as this podcast, RSFB are looking at producing one of its staff briefing videos in the Red Series about the incident. And there will be an article very soon in the issue of its rail safety review. It's only by ensuring that empathy and compassion from the very top of a company seeps down through all its levels to its frontline staff that truly makes a difference. Sometimes it's not what we do, but how we do it that can change the outcome of an event. It's possible that nothing would have saved mum, but with care, compassion and consideration, this tragedy, while still tragic, could have looked very different. Thank you, Sarah, for telling us that very important story and the news of how things have progressed especially working with Tom. Is there anything that you'd like to add there, Tom? I'd just like to thank Sarah for all the help over the last year. I can't possibly begin to imagine uh, what it would be like to go through something like this, but the way that she's channeled what's happened to her and her family into something so positive and the, the open way in which she's worked with a company, which I don't blame her for not having trusted and not that long ago is, I think, a huge credit to her and it's one of the reasons why I am so optimistic about what we can do together to continue to improve things.
Thank you very much, Tom. And thank you both for participating in this RSSB podcast. There will be more information on the blog for this podcast with a link to the PAPI notice that Tom has mentioned. If you have any other comments about this or any of our other podcasts, please email me at podcasts at rssb.co.uk. Thank you once again, and thank you, everybody, for listening. Mm -hmm.